This is Write, Think, Teach, a podcast brought to you by Writing Across the Curriculum, a program in the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University. I have this idea that writing is um, easy for someone, someone else. Like there's somebody else who can just like pound it out more quickly and more eloquently and more beautifully and more perfectly than me. And I don't know who that person, who that person is, but I think we all have that. We all have that idea. And so um, when I teach college writing, I, I really try to tell students that, you know, that that person doesn't exist. Um, what you're doing is tough. So let's kind of own your process um, and own the reasons why why writing for you poses these particular challenges, and let's figure out you know what you can do, what you can do to meet them. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Write, Think, Teach. I'm Michael Blancato, and I'm Sharita Roundtree. You just heard Kate Vieira, an associate professor in the Department of English, Composition and Rhetoric, and a faculty affiliate in the Second Language Acquisition Program at the University of Wisconsin Madison. Professor Vieira describes herself as an ethnographer of literacy who works with immigrants, transnational families, and community organizations in the United States, Latin America, and Eastern Europe. We were fortunate to have a chance to talk with Professor Vieira about her recent work when she visited Ohio State in the spring of 2017 to give a talk for the Lecture in Literacy series. So my book that just came out in March is called American by Paper, How Documents Matter in Immigrant Literacy. And um, that book is really um, about the role of papers in how um, immigrants can access literacy and how they think about literacy. And it works a lot with um, undocumented, undocumented immigrants and um, thinks really about the role of paper in governments um, and how literacy sometimes is not um, such a great thing when it can restrict and um, regulate people's movement and their rights. Um, and so after that book was published, um, that was really based on um, what was happening in the U.S. But then I started thinking more transnationally about what happened in the places where immigrants are from. Um, so this second book manuscript that I have just completed is about immigrants' homelands. And I was interested in what happens to literacy when people leave, because, you know, a lot of people talk about brain drain when immigrants leave, like they're all of these, all of these big brains are kind of gone from communities. Um, and so I set up a couple field sites, one in um, Brazil and one in Latvia. And I I looked at what happened to communities that were left behind. And I found that um, actually their literacy learning kind of um, increased because what happened was um, people were, immigrants were sending back literacy technologies in order to keep in touch. Um, and so people were writing um, really for love and for money. And so that's the title of this next book. It's called Writing for Love and Money, How um, Migration Drives Literacy Learning in Transnational Families. In the description you just heard, Professor Vieira explains how her research interests inspired her to think transnationally about the social dynamics and literacy practices of families separated across borders. Her research on transnational families has given her valuable insights into some of the pressures faced by immigrant and international students. She shared some of these often overlooked pressures with us. You know, my research, both with um, undocumented immigrants and with um, left behind community members, has really um, turned me on to the fact that that it's not just culture and language that um 
immigrant or international students may have kind of certain pressures or other kinds of transnational goals that um, that really go beyond culture and language, and that it's hard from a U.S. centered standpoint to conceive of. So, um, I can give you just maybe a couple of examples. Um, one um, college student that I'm working with for writing for Love and Money, he um, he is a college student in the, in the U.S. and um, he immigrated to the U.S. at the age of three, and his you know his whole family immigrated here. Um, all were undocumented. To make a long story short, um, because of um, economic conditions exacerbated by the fact that they were undocumented and couldn't make a lot of money, um, he is the first in his family to be able to go to college. His older sisters who migrated with him were not able to go. There just wasn't enough money. And I've worked with this whole family. Wasn't enough money for them. Wasn't enough money for them. And here he is. He's like, like the golden child, right? Like he's the one that they sacrificed so much to... Um, to come and, and give an education to. And so, and, you know, and he is not, you know, I teach at a predominantly white institution. Um, you know, he's not in, um, he's, he's not, he's not super privileged in relation to the other students there, but in relation to his family, he's very privileged. So, okay, I have the student in my class. Really, culture and language, like, he can handle the culture and language piece. The piece that, that my research shows me is the pressure on him to succeed and to and to make good as the first in his family who's there. And he is feeling pressure to send remittances back to Mexico to family that maybe he has never um, he's never met before. Um, but also just the pressure that everybody in his family is kind of waiting to see what he's what he's going to do with this. And, you know, he's a fabulous student, brilliant guy. He's going to, he's going to do fine. He's going to go to law school and he's going to be great. But I think that that perspective of kind of the, the economic and the transnational piece, the real material challenges are really important. Professor Vieira's research has also encouraged her to recognize how teachers' expectations and motivations for learning might differ from students' expectations and motivations for learning. Another thing that's come up with my research and my research, and this is for more international students than than immigrant students, um, is the importance of um, certificates and the importance of diplomas and how it may be the case that um, folks don't really need the 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 writing skills that we're teaching them as much as they need the piece of paper that says that they completed a writing course in the United States. Because we don't know what they're going to use that piece of paper for, what they're going to use that writing for. I mean, I think a lot of us in the academy tend to think that students are going to go on to kind of write academic essays in their lives. But maybe they need a piece of paper to kind of bring back to the country that they're from to show that they are certified in in English language writing, and then they'll go on and do something else with it. And I think instead of kind of demonizing that as instrumentalist or anti-humanist, I think it's important to really understand the kind of global economic pressures that that make that person need the certificate and kind of work work with that. I think we have to understand students' goals and motivations and their backgrounds. Professor Vieira also talked about how her background as a literacy researcher informs her approach to instruction in college writing classrooms. My background in literacy studies tells me that writing is just really, really complex. It's a complex undertaking. 
undertaking for a lot of reasons. So when I teach writing um, on my campus, which um, I love to do, and when I teach undergrads, I I teach it um, with the topic, why is writing hard? Because I feel like that question kind of sums up so much in literacy studies and kind of brings it, in, brings it into the college classroom. Why is writing hard? And then that gives us the chance to look at like a number of theories of why writing might be hard. It's hard for cognitive reasons. It's hard for social reasons. It's hard for material reasons. It's hard for rhetorical reasons. Writing is hard for all of these reasons. So when we sit down to, you know, or, or when we ask students to sit down and like try to write something on, you know, write an academic paper, there is like a lot going on. And I think literacy studies really kind of clues me, clues me into that and helps me kind of um, normalize that for students. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if you all feel this way, but I often feel this way that um, I have this idea that writing is um, easy for someone, someone else, like there's somebody else who can just like pound it out more quickly and more eloquently and more beautifully and more perfectly than me. And I don't know who that person, who that person is, but I think we all have that. We all have that idea. And so um, when I teach college writing, I, I really try to tell students that, you know, that that person doesn't exist. Um, what you're doing is tough. So let's kind of own your process um, and own the reasons why why writing for you poses these particular challenges and let's figure out, you know, what you can do, what you can do to meet them. In addition to offering this encouraging advice about acknowledging the inherent complexity of writing, Professor Vieira also provided useful suggestions about how to foster inclusive learning environments for students. She uses a metaphor of mirrors and windows to illustrate one way instructors can think about cultivating inclusivity through the readings they assign. I don't think that I'm maybe an exemplar of of um, great teaching and great socially just teaching in this regard. But what I try to do is um, follow the advice that was given to me by my advisor, Deborah Brandt, when I started teaching um, composition at the University of Wisconsin years ago. Um, and she she said this. She said, you know, we often think of not wanting to bend over backwards for students of color, right? Um, not wanting to give, you know, there's an argument that says we don't want to bend over backwards. We don't want to give kind of special treatment. She said, but what if instead of instead of thinking about it as bending over backwards, what if we thought about um, working in predominantly white institutions as leaning in? What if we leaned in to the experiences of students of color? And what if we leaned into the experiences of white students to help them also understand their whiteness in the way that they are? That the way that they are positioned. Um, and, you know, one of the ways she suggested doing this, and I try to follow this in my courses, is um, giving people in um, readings, in the readings that we do, um, what did she call it, both mirrors and windows, so people can see themselves and their experiences reflected, um, but also so people can see through windows to others' experience, Right. It's, it's really good to have guidelines because I think um, as somebody who experiences white privilege, it's really easy for that to be for for it to become invisible. And so to have some kind of markers or guidelines that that um, makes it visible. And of course, in you know, in the current climate, I also am just very conscious to say ex- explicitly, you know, explicitly in class that, you know, everyone's everyone's welcome. 
We want to thank Professor Vieira for taking time to speak with us and for sharing her research and teaching expertise. If you are interested in developing additional strategies for building inclusive learning environments, check out our previous podcast with Jacinta Yanders and Ebony Bailey on identifying and addressing microaggressions in the classroom. But before we sign off, we have one final thought from Professor Vieira. Writing is powerful, and I kind of think it's magic. That concludes this episode of Write, Think, Teach. Thank you for listening.